0: This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. This message is part of a series entitled Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. your Bible and find the Gospel of John. We're walking through John's wonderful Gospel, and we have not really big on sermon titles and all of those things, but we have just simply entitled our, our series, Through John, Look and Live. That, that song we sang earlier is new to us, uh, and it talks about looking and living and understanding who we are in Christ, seeing Christ for who he is i want us to draw your attention to john chapter 1 verses 19 through 34 if you have a a a bible that has uh you know margin and headings it it simply is a section that's talking about uh, the testimony uh of john the baptist of who christ is why john the baptist was there and he he's uh, claiming who christ is he is setting the tone and uh his ministry is pointing the way for Christ to come. And so as I was studying this week, I couldn't help but keep going back to the idea of our life and our witness. We're in the middle of, of Andy Armstrong and missions giving. And so we, we think about John the Baptist, and we're going to take some time looking at John the Baptist, but I want us to think about this. Your life is a witness. Do you believe that? And as we live our life, We only can live it one time. And as we live our life, it's so easy to get so caught up in what we're doing now, and we'll say something like this. Once I get this season of my life taken care of, when I enter into the next season, then I'm going to do this. And then guess what happens? Because I know, and I always use my life as an example. I don't normally like to talk about my life, but I will. That is a joke because I'm always talking about things in my life. I remember thinking when the children were in diapers, if we could ever get them out of diapers, I'm going to be like a brand-new person because I had three in diapers. And then they were out of diapers, and I remember thinking, if I could ever get them to get up out of bed on their own, because you remember I had three kids in baby beds, and they would, you know, want us. And I remember thinking, if I could ever get them to feed themselves, life's going to be different. Now I wish I could go back and put them in baby beds again. The Christian life is that way. No matter where you are, you fill in the blank. You're saying right now, I'm busy. I've got this going on. I've got all this going on. But when I move on to this next season, then my life for Christ will be different. I do a lot of funeral messages. And I always count it an honor and a blessing that the Lord would ask me to to conduct and to lead a service. Some of those services are for people that I've known for many years and have so much of a a rich connection with them. Some of those may be someone that I've never met before and I've been asked to lead a service. In both cases, I'm very honored to do that and I, I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But have you ever noticed that at a service, that is where life is talked about? I stand and we talk about life and what that person was known for, and what that person did, and it just kind of comes out what that person uh, was important to that person, what that person was known for. Well, I want to encourage you today. If someone is doing your service later on down the road, if you're older than me or much older than me, it may not be me. You may be doing mine. I pray that at that point in our life, people are telling other people how much we love Jesus and how much we lived for Jesus and how much we witness about Jesus. Let's look at verse 19, and I want you to consider this. Even as I read and as we go through the word today, your life, your path, Where does it point people? John chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask them, key words, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. This is John the Baptist, no. So he's out in the wilderness, he's out at the Jordan. Are you Christ? No, I'm not Christ. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? No, I'm not the prophet. So they said to them again, but who are you? They said, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. That they had seen, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John the Baptist answered them, I baptize with water, but among you who stands, I love this, among you stands someone you do not know. Even when he comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John being he, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I have never seen and have borne witness, and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We are grateful, Lord Jesus, that you have come and that you live and that you died and that you rose again. Oh, Lord, I ask that our life would be a life that is pointing people to the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. and this we pray in his name. Amen. Your life, it's your path. My life, your life, my path, your path. Where does it point people? Think about what you're doing. Think about what you'd be remembered for. Think about what you're consumed with right now. There are a lot of good things that we do. Now, let me let you in on a little secret. I've been working on this sermon all week. How hypocritical would it be for me to stand up and to say, you're, you need to quit being so focused on this and be more focused on Jesus if I haven't examined my own life? You know, it would be sad if, if I, at my funeral service, and I don't want to belabor that, but it would be kind of sad if, if at my funeral service all we talked about was butter pecan ice cream and the Georgia Bulldogs. We could laugh and we could carry on and we could have fun and we could remember and we could remit. Oh, that boy did love that butter pecan ice cream. Some of y'all be saying, I know that's what did him in, all that ice cream. That and a broken heart because Georgia had never won another national championship since 1980. We'd walk out of here and go, hey, he was a good, was a good guy. We all liked him. Oh, every time we see the Bulldogs, we're going to think of old John. How sad would that be? How sad would it be if someone gave a, 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 a eulogy of our life and it was all the things that we had done? And Those are good things. There's nothing wrong with butter pecan ice cream. There's nothing wrong with the Georgia Bulldogs. There's nothing wrong with being consumed. There's nothing wrong with being dedicated to raising your children. There's nothing wrong with being dedicated to being successful at work and know that you're making a difference in the workplace. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. There's nothing wrong with being financially secure about the future. There's nothing wrong with these things. But are they the most important thing? When we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, do you think He cares what type of ice cream we like or the job that we have or the things that we did or is He going to be more concerned with our love for Him and our desire for others to know about Him? Your life is a path that points people in one way or the other. Let's look at John the Baptist and ask ourselves, where we stand. The question was, who are you? If we look at verses 19 through 22, I think we could look at it from this standpoint. We need to consider how we live. Now, I know that nothing is going to bring someone to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ except for the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. People have to hear the gospel and respond to it. But I think it's also important that we ask ourselves. This is what John the Baptist was. This is why they were coming to ask John the Baptist this question. His life was different. John looked different. John acted different. He was just different. He he understood how he lived. So I want to ask you, consider how you live, character and integrity. From the very beginning of John's life, he was set apart to do something. God ordained him to do something that only he can do. I believe without a shadow of a doubt when each and every one of us were born, God ordained us to do something. God allowed us to be born. God uh, created us and he redeemed us and he had something special in place for us. But if you notice in the text there, now I'm not saying that he, they thought he was Christ as far as the way he lived his life for Elijah Prophet, A lot of this has to do with he was out there baptizing in the desert, a, a message of repentance, and, and they knew. Here's the ironic aspect of all of this. He asked if he was the Christ because they know the Messiah is coming. Isn't that ironic? Are you the Christ? Nobody's right there. Are you Elijah? Because Elijah didn't die, right? And Elijah was coming back to point the way to the Messiah. Deuteronomy 18, 18, uh, Moses was said, there's going to be a prophet that comes after me. There's going to be a prophet that comes to present the uh, Messiah. And so they were asking him these things, and he said, no. And they came out there to see if he was the one pointing the way from the Messiah, and he was. And they came out there because he was a man of character and integrity. He had dedicated his life. And so the the idea would be, we know that John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus Christ, but we know that John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus Christ by the way that he lived his life. How many of us, if we were at work and we were at school and we said, oh, you know I'm a Christian, if somebody were to say, well, I didn't know that. I could have never have known that by the jokes you tell. I could have never known that by the memes you send on your phone. If you don't know what that is, praise Jesus, you don't. I didn't know that by your Facebook posts. I didn't know that the way you treat your coworkers. I didn't know that by the way you make ethical decisions. And I would have never known that. There wasn't a soul around that didn't know John the Baptist, didn't believe who he was and the way he lived his life. One of the difficult things in our world today is there's numbers that talks about how many Christians are in the world. Well, I'm I'm a I'm unoptimistic. I'm I'm a very I'm always, you know, to me the, the, the glass always half full. Okay. I I I'm a positive guy. But I'm gonna tell you right now, them numbers are wrong. There ain't no way in the world that eighty five percent of the population in the United States of America are born again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that was the case, it wouldn't be a rated R movie and nobody would go to them. I love whenever I say that, deftly silence. You think about that. We took prayer out of school. No, we let them take prayer out of school. Amen? Well, we're doing this. We've legalized abortion. No, we've allowed 85% of our country is letting these things happen. 85% of our country is not born-again believers of Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I can see their character and I can see their integrity. Billy Graham says the same thing about church roles. Now, how many people admire Billy Graham? Raise your hand. You think Billy Graham's a man of integrity? Billy Graham says 75% of the church roles are unconverted. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Do the math. If there's a hundred in here, seventy. Billy Graham said seventy-five percent. He's he's questioning now. Billy Graham's not the Holy Spirit. Why would Billy Graham say that? Because there's just no difference. In a lot of churches, and I'm not talking about the Lord's church, so please don't take this the wrong way. I'm just talking about church in general. In a lot of our churches, it could be the Rotary Club. It could be Kiwanis. There's nothing really going on. We meet, we gather, we take up an offering, we sing a few songs, we walk out the door, we come back. There's no life change. And I think the reason is we've just never really thought about it. I want my life to be a witness. Well, if I want my life to be a witness, I need to live a life of character and integrity. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. 1 Peter chapter two verse twelve Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, did you notice that? Keep your conduct so Gentile here is unbelievers, okay? Keep my conduct, keep your conduct among the unbelieving world honorable so that when they speak, even speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We ought to live our life with such character and such integrity in the schools, in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, and everywhere we go with such integrity that lost people should be able to look at us and say, I may not believe what they believe, but whatever they believe, they believe it. But see, the world is, doesn't see that stability. The world doesn't see that in, in so many of our lives. We say something and we write something and we plaster something on social media. One day we're praising the Lord Jesus Christ and the next day we're slandering somebody and we're saying that. There's no consistency. John the Baptist was a man of integrity and he was a man of character and he understood what God had called him to do and he was willing to do it. If it was to go and to live in the desert and dress like Elijah and the other gospels talk about the way John the Baptist lived and the character he was, he was just a different dude. But he didn't care. The world needs to see some different dudes and dudettes in our world today. They need to see somebody that understands what it means to live a moral life and a life of character and a life of integrity and a life of a believer, and really what it means. We have created this vast gray area in society. Have you noticed that? Now, just go back to something as simple as watching something on the movies. Let's just, just, it's between you and the Lord. It's between you and the Holy Spirit right now, okay? How easy can we justify going to the movies? Well, they only use that word five times. I've been told this. Once you get past the words, it's really a good movie. Well, then we begin to talk about what words mean. Well, uh, that's just slang, and that's just this, and that word means this, and that word means that. And they only take their clothes off four times, but, you know, that, once you move on from that, it's really a good movie. That's what we've done. We have created this humongous gray area. We have right and we have wrong, and there's two little lines off to the side. This is right, this is wrong, and everything else is just kind of gray. We make it up, we make it up as we go, and what dictates that gray area is, is, is a popular consent of public. You know that we're doing things today that are socially acceptable that were not socially acceptable 20 years ago? That's that gray area. Now, I don't know how effective John the Baptist would be pastoring a local Southern Baptist church. Probably not very effective because he probably wouldn't make it more than about two or three months, and we'd run him out of town. We'd We'd be tired of being told to repent every Sunday and him not backing down. That's sad, but it's true. But I guarantee you that he didn't have much gray area, did he? We don't need to have so much gray area. Just be willing to be a man and a woman, a youth, a child of character and integrity. I came across this quote this week because I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to point a path. We think about evangelism. We think about sharing our faith. think about discipleship, all these things. I came across this week, evangelism starts with consecration, not presentation. That's 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 a good word right there. It starts with who I am as I share that gospel. How was your life? When, when people think you, if, if somebody says your name in their mind, they think, you know what, that is a joyful, happy, you may tell you some of the most miserable people I've ever been around have been my church members. Not in this church. Gail Odom, Sunday school class, got it. They've been around a little longer. They got that. Some of the most miserable human beings I've ever been have been Southern Baptists. You ever been around that person at work? There's just no joy anywhere to be found. Everything's always negative. Everything, if they act that way at church, how do you think they act at home and in their neighborhood? No wonder none of their neighbors will come to church. No wonder their co-workers don't come to church. Who would want to be involved with that? We have so much to be thankful for in our grace and our relationship with Christ. Why can we not live with character, integrity, and joy in the world in which we live? Secondly, as we think about our our life and this path, and I need to hurry up so I can get to Jesus. Consider how you live. Look at verses 23 and 28. Our life is about purpose and mission. And this is really where it hits the road. What is your purpose in life? I'm just trying to raise my kids, Pastor. I'm just trying to get the bills paid. I'm just trying to get well. I'm just trying. There's always going to be something there until you put the right thing there. If you put the right thing there, then your mission and purpose is this, and everything else works out. What was John the Baptist's mission and purpose in life? His mission and purpose in life was to point the way to Jesus Christ. John was not concerned about himself, but rather he was there to point people to the coming of Christ. His sole purpose in life was Jesus Christ. I will say this about each and every one of you. If you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, the sole purpose of your life is Jesus Christ. That's it. My purpose in life as a believer is going... Thank you, Jesus. I love it is about Jesus Christ. It is about knowing him and loving him and worshiping him and finding my all-in-all in, all in him and just him. Somebody says, What are you up to? I'm up to Jesus. What are you doing? I'm up to Jesus. I mean, uh, that's a- evangelism is a natural overflow, the inflow of a spirit-filled life. Evangelism is not some routine, well, I gotta share the preacher said I gotta be an evangelist. No. Evangelism is just living out a life where you just love Jesus. And we talk about being filled with the Spirit. I think living a Christian life, our purpose and mission, we ought to spill Jesus on the people that we just bump into. You ever seen your little child when they fill up that glass of milk and you know Bryce used to be the worst? He's still bad about it. He pours the milk. You know, with the minute he moves it, it's going to spill everywhere. It's nowhere. It can't. It's impossible. By the time he got to the kitchen table, it's all over everything. uh, uh, He still, if he was here today, he'd probably have something spilt down the front of his shirt. Could you imagine if we lived our life in that way? Watch out, now you're getting Jesus all over me. Look out. Everywhere we go, we're just so full of Christ and so excited in Christ and we're so motivated about what we have in Christ. That's what John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't really know what to do or how to do it as much as what he was called to do. What was he called to do? To point the way to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist lived for that moment there to go and to point the way for Jesus Christ. That is his purpose and his mission. Now, evangelism success is not how many we win to the Lord, but I will say this: When is the last time you had I'm talking? Last time you had a conversation with someone, and the intent was to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? When's the last time? Well, I'm not into that. Don't even start down that road. You're into whatever you're excited about i say, well, I'm not into that. would be like me saying, well, I'm not into that. I'll get down on all fours and bark like a dog in the fall. Really? I'm not into talking about Jesus, but I'll act like a bulldog for a few months of every year? No, you're into whatever you're excited about. I think about Matt's life and my life and Joy's life. Sharing the gospel is not leading choir on Wednesday night. Sharing the gospel is not me preaching on Sunday morning. Sharing the gospel is not necessarily preaching the word to Wednesday night and you. I'm talking about outside of these walls, investing in someone's life in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Building a relationship so that you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. When is the last time, if ever, you have done that? That ought to convict all of us. Our purpose in life is to love him in such a way that we want others to know him like we do. We're not closing a deal. We're not selling a product. We're not winning people. We just love Christ so much, we want other people to know the Christ that we love. John was a man of, of purpose and mission. Notice it says that Jesus is a, Notice what it says. Let me get back to the text. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Jesus was the word, but John was the voice. I like that. He's the word, but I'm the voice. You're not coming to me. You're not coming to this church. You're not coming to a a denomination. You're not coming to religion. You're coming to Jesus Christ. And everything we do in our life and our purpose and mission is to point people to Jesus Christ. Notice how he did this. There's three ways that he did this. Look at verse 23. He understood that people need to embrace life change. You know, we make fun of Walmart. You know, we make fun of Walmart. We're always there. I guess that's why we make fun of people. Not, not Walmart. We make fun of people at Walmart. You ever seen the they got YouTube channels? People at Walmart. I'm horrified I'm going to see myself on there one day. Maybe I won't be dressed quite that bad. But they have YouTube channels based on how people dress at Walmart. It's not good. And so we we take a a place like a Walmart and say, oh my goodness, you wanna know how, yeah, I always tell people this, you wanna know where you stand in the community, go to Walmart. That's what you got. Wherever you're moving into, whatever's in Walmart, that's your community. Right? Is that not true? You think, boy, our communities are a mess. Yes, they are. That's the point. Our purpose and mission on life is no different than John the Baptist. He said, repent for the kingdom of God. Repent, I'm I'm paying the way. Make straight the path. Our mission is the same. It's simply this. We encourage people to encounter life change. Everybody that we get in contact with, our goal is that they can know Christ and they can love Christ and they can understand what it means to be born again. That's life change. How many of us have friends that have addictions and habits and hang ups and they're struggling with marriage and finance? What's the answer? Jesus is the answer. Jesus rubbed elbows with tax collectors and heathens, and we're so afraid to engage anybody. We just stand around and we sing about Jesus, we preach on Jesus, we talk about Jesus, we amen Jesus, but we never tell anybody about Jesus. He understood that repentance was needed. It's kind of ironic. He's baptizing, and a Jew would have never been baptized. Only Gentiles would have been baptized by immersion in this setting before Christ to signify they want to become Jew. And he said, "What are you doing? Why are you baptizing?" He said, "Because you need to change. That's why I'm baptizing." Our life of mission and purpose needs to be encouraging people to encounter a change of life, and that only comes through Christ. Secondly, notice John the Baptist. Look at verses 24 and 25. Now, John was a unique dude. I admit that. But notice his reaction. They came, they asked, they came, they asked, they came and asked, did he waver? No. Did he back down? No. He encouraged this message of life change. He knew that he was in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. And that picture points to the exile in in Babylon and Ezekiel. The the, the Jewish people are exiled in Babylon, but there's a path. Isaiah said there's there's a path back to Jerusalem. One day, God's people, the holy remnant, will make its way back to Jerusalem. John the Baptist is saying, yes, this is where we are, but this is where we need to be. I'm pointing to that. They would have understood that. They would have got that. Who are you to tell us we need to change? Who? How dare you tell me something's wrong with me? What does the world say when we tell them they need the hope of the gospel? What does the world say when we say there's one way, the way, the truth, and life, that no one comes to the Father? What does the world say when a good Bible-believing evangelical conservative says we believe this is the word of God from front to cover? What does the world say? The world says, how dare you say that to me? But this is what John did, secondly. He encouraged him to live a life of change, but secondly, he just stood his ground. He just stood where he was because he knew the call that was upon his life. He just stood his ground in the face of opposition. You know, there's nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that life is going to be great and life is going to be happy. This week has been a very busy pastoral week for me as a shepherd. A lot of sickness this week. Just a lot of sickness. Just a lot of people I care for and love are going through difficult times, word of sickness. And if if you're not careful, you get kind of caught up in that and go, Oh my goodness, oh that's the life that we live. That's the world that we live in. We just hold our ground and remember Jesus. Now I am John a Baptist, but I'm not John the Baptist. And I know I'm not Jesus, amen. I'm not Paul. I'm not any of these people of Scripture. I'm not worthy to untie their sandals. You know where I'm going with this? Every one of them are persecuted for the gospel. So somewhere along the line, I'm just thinking that I'm not ever going to have any setbacks or everything's always going to go my way. It's not. That's the life that we live. That's the world that we live in. That's the season that we live in. This this is where we are in the process of redemption. Stand your ground in the face of opposition. Here's something that we need to remember, though. I'm going to read from Ephesians 4.15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of the Christ. Rather, speaking the truth in love, rather, speaking the truth in love, you know what that means in the Greek? Speaking the truth in love. That doesn't mean speaking the truth and try to fix people. Speaking the truth and get everybody on your side. Speaking the truth, it doesn't matter how sarcastic you have to be or how dogmatic you need to be about it. You just keep preaching the truth. I've heard preachers preach on preach the word and preach the truth, and it's like they get mad. You know what I'm saying? Preach the truth, ah! We gotta go out there, and we're all gonna to go to Walmart and take our big Bibles and we're gonna preach the truth to this pagan world. Ah, like it's a, a weapon of mass destruction. And we're just gonna run around and beat people over the head. Ah, that was a, a famous evangelist. I wanna say he's Methodist. I don't know, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean it'd have, it have been a better story if he'd have been Baptist. But the story was he was an evangelist back in the frontier days and he would ride his horse into town and if you didn't want to hear him, he'd jump off the horse and beat you to death and then made you hear him. I mean, his document, he pound on you. Hey, bleh, repent, I'd be getting saved too. Speak the truth in what? We're not speaking the truth to win an argument. We're not speaking the truth to, to win our point. Boy, we need to take that up to the... White House. Every four years we need to remember that. We're speaking the truth because we know the truth is right. We know the truth is the truth. And we want others to embrace the truth. We're not trying to win an argument. We're not trying to prove a point. We're just speaking the truth in love. A friend of mine came out of a convenience store one time and said, Well, there's an old raghead in there. An old raghead. You know where raghead lives? Over there where Jesus was born. You get what I'm trying to say? An old raghead at the convenience store looks more like Jesus than I do. Jesus doesn't have blue hair and blonde eyes or whatever. I, I am on head medicine today, sorry. He's got to filter through the Alka-Seltzer cold today. <laughs> Hello uh. If I'm not think Jesus is from the Middle Eastern area, is he not? What are we gonna do? If we get to heaven and we don't like ragheads. You gonna go to American heaven over there or something? You have Republican heaven and Democrat heaven. Which one's bigger? Isn't that ridiculous? I want to love truth. That's one of the things about a pastor. I want to love truth and teach truth. I want to do it for the right reasons, for life change. We need to hold our ground, but we need to speak the truth. Speak the truth. Don't love them enough to don't share the truth. That's like raising a kid. Raise your kids in such a way that you love them enough now, I'm not talking about grandkids. By the way, Anna does not like eggs, so I just fed her biscuits for breakfast. Emily said, you would have never. I took Anna to breakfast, and I said, we're going to have eggs and biscuits. I don't want eggs. We didn't have biscuits in. My daughter was with me. She said, you would have never let me just eat biscuits. That's not my child. It's like a grandchild. I'm in training. She wants biscuits, give her biscuits. You want some butter on those biscuits? I want, her, I want her happy. We all do that, don't we? And then we, the parents straighten them out. We can't love someone so much that we do not want to share the truth with them. That's not love. But we love them enough that they want to see that what we believe is really the truth encourage life change, stand firm in the face of opposition, and then last in this section, look at verses 26 through 28. John answered, I baptize with water. If among you stands one you do not know, even him who comes after me. What does he keep talking about? Christ, Jesus. Who are you? Who are you? I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing? Who are you? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm just here pointing people to Christ. Keep pointing people to Christ. Keep the main thing, the main thing. The gospel is the main thing. Believing it, sharing it, living it out. All John the Baptist is known as is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Pointing people to Christ. What are we known as? Are we known for our hobbies and our job, our career, our ministries, are we known for pointing people to Jesus Christ? Secondly, we'll close with this. We need to consider how we live, our character and integrity. We need to consider how we live, our, our purpose and mission. Secondly, we need to consider... The Jesus we share. You can turn on the TV. I don't even know who... Could you imagine if something... I guess you could do it. Just sit on TV and document, based on television preaching, who is Jesus. It would be a train wreck. It would be such a, a hodgepodge of things. What... You know, Jesus to this preacher is this, and Jesus is this preacher is this. The culture has all these different understandings. Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? What was his purpose? I mean that in a negative way. There are some phenomenal Bible preaching preachers on television, but some are not. And if we allow the world to tell us who Jesus is, the world will always be wrong. Satan is always wrong about understanding who Jesus is and what needs to be done with him. He knows who Jesus is, but what needs to be done with him? This is very, you probably never, this is so deep and profound. You ready for these great, deep truths? We need to consider who Jesus is. He is the Lamb of God he is a savior what can wash away my sins how long we've been singing that song in church nothing but the blood of jesus he is a savior he was a savior then he is a savior now and he will be a savior to the day he returns we think about the lamb of god who is he he is the lamb of god he is our savior do you know that if you were believed that Jesus Christ is who he says that he is and if you believe that you know that there is sin in your life and that the only way that that sin can be dealt with is by acknowledging who Christ is and asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, the Bible says he will save you. He's a Savior. He is the Lamb of God. The next day Jesus. they saw Jesus coming, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. I like that, sin, not sins. The sin is our unholiness. The sin is we are dead in our trespasses, the sin. The sin is God is absolutely holy. The sin, the relationship problem, the need that we have. Jesus takes that away and he forgives us and we can enter into a life-changing relationship with him as our Savior and as our Lord. We need to consider the Jesus that we share. Secondly, verses 30 through 34, he's our Savior, but he is our sustainer. Jesus is not just a meet him one time and everything's okay and we never converse with him again. And I think sometimes we think that, well, when I was little, uh, I was at church, and somebody told me about Jesus, and I believed about Jesus, and He's I, I, I on the cross, and He died from our sin, and I didn't want to go to heaven. hell when I died. I, I really didn't want to go to heaven, so I believed in this Jesus, and so I went to church and talked to the pastor. I was baptized, and so I've got Jesus. And it's like in our mind, I think this is what Billy Graham is talking about, in our mind it's like, yay, Jesus. It's like we put them back like on a shelf or something. You know, this is something we've done. And then we just live life completely the way that we want to. And there's no relationship. There's no nothing. You know, when you start talking about Jesus, oh, yeah, I met Jesus. Now, I was at church, and I was little. Then we were in Bible school, and I, I went forward, and I got saved, and I got baptized, and I got Jesus. That's not the Jesus I see in Scripture. The Jesus that we see in Scripture is a sustainer, Lord, Master. He's not a a grumpy parent. He's not a mean, boss, Master Lord. He is our righteous King and our sovereign Master. And we literally look what He did for our life and we we bow our head and our heart in forgiveness and sin and we enter into a a glorious relationship as our King of our life. And our our life radically changes. It's not an event that took place that we celebrate. It is an event that took place that was life-changing for the rest of our life. We understand this is he of whom uh, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. He has always been. He is Lord. He is King. John the Baptist said, I am unworthy to even take his sandals off. I myself did not know him, but this person I came baptizing. I saw the Spirit. Kind of interesting story. If we're not careful here, this is just kind of interesting information. This is not when Jesus was baptized. I believe that Jesus was baptized earlier. He went off on the temptation wilderness. Was it 40 days, I think? And then he comes back. This is when he's coming back. John the Baptist is still preaching. He's a good Baptist. He's still preaching after 40 days. And he said, He's the one that I saw the Spirit descend on. He is the Lamb of God. I come baptized with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He is our sustainer. He is our everything. He, he fills us. He guides us. He leads us. He empowers us. Why do we feel so powerless? Why do we feel so hopeless? Why do we feel so blah? Because we're not embracing the sustainer. We're not following our master. John the Baptist got it. This is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. We know that when Christ lived and then he died and he, he, he was buried and rose again in an axe, he sends the Holy Spirit. That's another sermon for another day. But it is Christ that we see that fills and powers and guides through the giving of the Spirit. And then he closes with this. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. When you think about the deity of Christ, there's to me the you know we think about Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, we think of all the names that we can give Christ. He's the Son of God. He's it. Your life is a path. John the Baptist lived his life as a path to point people in repentance and faith to Christ, our life is a path. Is it a path to the Son of God? Is it a path to Jesus Christ? Or is it just a path to us and our stuff and what we do? And Jesus is a stop that we make every now and then on the life of our path, path of our life. My goal in my life would be that I live my life in such a way that people could say he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And when you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you've got a desire to grow daily in your relationship with Him as the Son of God, to worship Him as the Son of God, to rejoice in Him as the Son of God, and encourage other peoples to embrace the Son of God. We are all wired and gifted differently. But each and every one of us should be living our life as a witness to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. You notice in your bulletin, it's not difficult. It's not hard. You'll never hear a mission testament. You'll never hear anybody talk about missions and ministry where you don't hear the word relationships jobs are good things hobbies are good things raising children are good the things that we do are good things but are we you doing the good things for the best thing be a witness build relationships with people for that purpose Get to know your neighbors. Get to know your co-workers. Get, you don't know. Listen, everybody thinks they're going to heaven when they die, so don't just ask them that. Have you ever met anybody that says, Hey, you know, you go, oh, I know I'm busting hell wide open. Nobody tells you that. Oh, I'm on the Hell Express. Just ask me. No. Get to know them. Build relationships with people. Share the gospel. Don't share... A, Some little old weak Jesus, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share that sin is ugly and we are tainted from sin and we're separated from God because he is holy and he's righteous. But he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for do something that we could not do for ourselves. And that if we repent of our sin and we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he will forgive us and give us eternal life through the gospel. Share the gospel with people. When is the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Bring into the church family. When was the last time you were excited about what God is doing in your life, in your church? This is His church, by the way. It's not mine. Don't blame me. So many people act like they don't like church because they don't like their Sunday school teacher, they don't like their staff, they don't like their pastor. This is the Lord Jesus Christ church. I'm not excited about this church because of you. I'm excited because of this church because of him. I'll say it a different way. I'm not excited about this church because of me or Joy or Matt or you. I'm excited about this church because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know we're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to teach about Jesus. We're going to hear about Jesus. Bring people into the church. Encourage spiritual growth. The only way someone is going to grow in their relationship with Christ is through the Word of God. Encourage people to grow in their knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. And develop servant leaders. You think about the jobs that we've all had. I, I was a power line guy. I bumped into a guy at the hospital I had on a shirt the company I used to work for. I, just, I ran in there. I used to work for them. You worked for power? Oh, I used to climb poles. We just sat there and we talked and we carried on. The wife like. Somebody said, well, hi in the words, you know how to do power line work? I didn't have a clue how to do power line work. First day on the job, I showed up. And, You're going to build power lines. Okay. What do you think somebody did? They poured their life into me. And they showed me how to build power lines. Don't do this. You touch that, and you touch that, you die. Don't do that. I won't ever do that then. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is how you do it. This is how you not do it. Every one of us in our jobs and careers have been mentored. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we feel like that we don't need to do that. I don't care how old you are or how young you are in the faith. I don't care where you are in your life. There is somebody that you need to be pouring your life into and helping them grow in their knowledge and understanding of the Lord. John was a witness. We've even taken our man's word, the testimony of John the Baptist. How is your testimony? How is your witness? Consider how you live. Consider the Jesus that you share. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Lord, even as we prepare our hearts to sing about how much we love you, I pray that our lips match our life this morning that we truly do love you. We love what you have done for us. We love what you have done for mankind. We we love the gospel. We love the hope of the gospel. We love redemption. We love forgiveness. Just love you, Jesus. Let us tell people. Let us live that out. Let us have the joy that we have based on our relationship with you. And let it spill over onto others. Lord, help us to know you this morning. And to love you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.